Oh, I almost clicked the wrong thing. I almost left at the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to pull up my Goodreads and <laughs> I almost clicked leave meeting. Leave meeting. <laughs> Whoops. Get out. Wow. That would have been sudden. Leave it in. <laughs> Welcome to our pod. And by that, I mean on Wednesdays we read. I'm Hannah. I'm Laura. And we're so lucky to have Laura because she almost left. Hey, and almost left the meeting. And we are two best friends who do a deep dive into a new book series, one book at a time. Right now, we are blazing through the Poppy Wars, and we are finishing up our discussion of the first of the plot of the first book, The Poppy War, and discussing some themes that really stuck out to us. But before we dive in, Laura, what are you reading, watching, and or enjoying? So I just finished With the Fire on High by Elizabeth... uh... I'm going to butcher this last name. Acevedo. Oh, Acevedo. Acevedo. Thank you. Uh, She also wrote The Poet X, Mm -hmm. um, which I have on my TBR now. But all of her books are on my TBR. I just haven't had the chance to pick one up. You know what? This was a YA book about a girl who got pregnant and then uh, had a child while she was in high school and then is pursuing her career in culinary arts after school. And I love this book for so many reasons, but mostly for the way that it presented different options for the main character, that it wasn't always like, I have to go to college. I have to go to college. I have to go to college. That she was realistic about, you know what? I might just get a job because I need money and I have a child and I'm not always going to be able to rely on my parents and my grandmother supporting me. So maybe I'll just get a job or you know, pursuing different paths, community college or all sorts of different paths, really. And I thought that was probably my favorite thing about the book, because so many times when you see a high schooler, you have this like knee jerk reaction to be like, what college are you going to? And I really wish that we would kind of pivot from that and just start like asking about that people what their interests are mm-hmm. and what they want to do with their life. Yes. And I think that this book was like a really good example of that. And then it also just showed like how somebody can be put in tough spots a lot of times and how you, how someone has to kind of rise above those things and be like, you know what, these things happened. They aren't slowing me down and I'm not going to let your judgment be placed on me and slow me down. So I really liked the main character, Emily. She was amazing. And it's a really good book. I would highly recommend it. That's awesome. Yeah. Really good YA book. So I, I'm, I'm really happy with some of these YA books that I've read recently because I feel like they're very realistic and also just really good literature for kids to be reading. You know? Yeah. I have like seen so many articles about why young adult is like where it's at right now, just because yeah. it feels like it's a lot more experimental um, mm-hmm. and a lot more interesting on that side of things. So that's awesome. Yeah. I love it. She's been on my radar. I'll have to like, I keep wanting to put her books a little bit farther up. Um, but yeah, I definitely want to read her book and I'm glad you enjoyed it because she's had a couple of them and like, it seems like she's killing it. So I think. Yeah. The Poet X is one that I'm going to be looking out for if I come across it, I'm just going to grab it. But this one was just, I was just kind of like scoping out a new library and 
I saw it and was like, ooh, better I check know that about out. your library adventure is super oh my gosh, I, about it. <laughs> so I'm just like such an idiot because I didn't realize that. Well, I did realize this, but I have such social anxiety, social anxiety that I never tried it. But if you have a library card in Illinois, you can use it at any other library within the rails system. So I went to a different library than my usual local library. And this is like a really nice library compared to what I'm <laughs> used to. And it's a lot bigger. And I was just kind of like in awe of the whole situation and trying to pick out books and everything. And I was a little overwhelmed because I'm definitely a creature of habit and yes. have anxiety. So anything kind of thrown off and I'm like, ah! but yeah, as I was there, I saw that book and grabbed it and it was a good choice on a good. win. Uh, that's exciting. Are you watching anything good right now? And I watched The Duff. <gasps> I have you seen that. Okay. So this is a very funny story. I walked into my sister's house two years into a pandemic to watch her son for a weekend uh-huh. and like immediately got the flu. Like it was just like, mm-hmm. I walked in and it was like, Hannah, you've been subject to no germs. Here are all sure. the germs. Yeah. And the night I was sick, I started the duff and like fever slept through it. You know, like when you're sick yeah. and you watch a good 30% of the movie, but you could not tell what was happening. You can like the remember 30%. bits and pieces of it. Like if it came on TV at some point, you're like, oh, I remember this, but then yeah. you don't remember anything about the movie besides that. That's, that's my experience with the duff. <laughs> so it's one of those movies where you have to believe that Mae Whitman is ugly. Yeah. Which that is probably the first thing that makes this a fantasy, but <laughs> I, I don't know about this movie. Why was this so popular? I remember this being talked up a lot. Really? I don't, you don't remember this being advertised all over the place. And like, I remember like, it being advertised, but oh, I, I honestly movie. Like, could not name five friends who saw that movie. Well, maybe I just had too many people that were on Facebook that saw this. Yeah. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God I'm done with Facebook. <laughs> I don't know why this movie was so popular. Honestly, I found a lot of it to just be kind of mm, mean and I didn't like it. Duff stands for designated ugly fat friend. Even though she's not ugly, the movie does point out that she's not technically ugly, but yeah. And all of the other people that they point out that are Duffs are also not ugly. So I don't know what the criteria is to be a duff. Maybe it's just the shy person Awkward. out of a friend of group, a group of friends, but or the person that's just slightly different than the other people in the group of friends, but according to this movie, in every group of friends there is a duff, a designated ugly fat friend. And they are basically there to kind of be a buffer for people to be able to be brought into the group and talk to the hot people who in this movie have very little personality the other people in the group have no personality if you pull me but i don't know this book was or book not book it was a movie based on a book oh my gosh (laughs) why Why? I know it has Bella Thorne in it, and someone pointed out when she had that one facial wash commercial. Um, she like she was much younger than these other people. They were like thirty when they filmed this, and she was actually a teenager. Yeah, so weird. 
Uh, but she always like talks like this in the in the commercial mm-hmm. of like the facial wash, and she's like, like I'm gonna give up pizza. And I that's all I can remember about Bella Thorne. <laughs> like, okay. Um someone brought it up once and I it isn't. I don't really know anything mind. about Bella Thorne. I don't know what I I she don't wasn't gotta kick it up and she didn't like Zendaya. That's all I know about Bella. She Thorne. didn't like Zendaya, so obviously they, something's up. Okay. Well, I, I get technically I think like both of them have walked away and been like, Yeah, that was Disney's fault. They pitted us against each other. Well, there's something to that, I suppose. Yeah. The bachelor of it all. They created a villain and created a hero. Right. I suppose that's so, a thing. Yeah. You know, so much fun. I was mostly uh, bothered because I had to look up how old they all were. When they <laughs> it. They were like, Whitman is they were like 30. all 30 pretty much and like the guy that they picked to be like her main love interest i mean he didn't start out being her love interest he was the main boy that lived next who was door. her best friend growing the up best friend going up they used to take baths together just why but he was clearly not a high schooler like <laughs> <laughs> they're like showing him shirtless and he's like in a locker room scene like making provocative gestures to her and it's like she no they're clearly too old they're no they're not 15 no one can believe it yeah that's not it, great I think and really like, yeah. just the movie was just mean i didn't think that the concept of that was funny in any way i i don't know and they try to like sugarcoat this kind of crap and make it be like oh well it all worked out in the end because she realized that she's more than being a duff and it's like how about you just stop saying that how about people are not duffs like quit no it's not funny being mean is not nice like no stop it i guess you're don't right. try to i mean don't try to put like ever levine songs to the back of this so that we were like oh it worked out yeah no yeah okay. i'm looking at it and it like got an a minus on cinema score it shouldn't have I'm even though you it was like a really popular thing the 30% I remember watching of this movie, it did not deserve a 70% on no. to me. <laughs> so it doesn't even get a D. Like, no, no. Shame on you. We, My husband and I were like looking for, I shouldn't say my husband and I, I was looking for romantic comedies to watch the other night when we were <laughs> watching a movie I mean, together. Your husband can like romantic comedies. He might not, but he can. He didn't like this one. So well, he fair. has good taste. But then we watched, um, what's that? Oh, you again with Kristen Bell. Oh, I didn't like that one either. I did not like that one either. That and one I'm just like, bad. what is going on here with this generation trying- of movies? And so then it spurred a conversation between me and my husband. Where we were like, the way that we made movies and TV and books literally not that long ago is almost just cringeworthy yeah. because some of these movies, you're just like, why, well, why, why, think- why? In most recent history, something that we're still kind of contending with to this day, especially in the 2010s, it became very popular just to shit on what women liked. And so there was like a certain amount of cattiness that came in these Mm -hmm. movies. Like Mm -hmm. even the Duff, like the Bella Thorne character is awful. Yeah. And she's the one who is being terrible to this girl. And you're just sitting there like, what am I watching? Like, this is so evil. It's evil to like an extent that doesn't make sense. And then like the most astounding thing about the movie is her two best friends are awesome people who like no personality. There's nothing to them. No, they're just pretty. And one of them likes science and the other one likes something else. I forget. But like, 
Probably There's, sports. I can't remember even. I blocked I, it out. I honestly don't even think it was sports because like, I think that would, would have been like too technically quote Journalism unquote, cool. probably. Yeah. Something like very <laughs> quote unquote female of them to like. Um, Yearbook committee. Yeah. Like she wants to go into advertising. That's always a yeah. like romantic mm-hmm. comedy job. She's um, a journalist. Andy Anderson. And it's like, there was this whole thing of like, the not like the other girls of it all from like yeah. the early 2000s to the 2010s where it's like she's not like the other girls she doesn't care what she looks like and like deconstructing what that meant mm-hmm. and it well, always let's do this- a montage where we quote unquote prettier up mm-hmm. but it always has to be someone who's like objectively gorgeous like right i was watching the netflix persuasion this weekend oh, and my friend and i were like you know what's baffling like at one point they're like oh, don't worry, Anne, you'll be a bath six or something. And it's like the fact that someone had to say that with a straight face about Dakota Johnson is asinine. It's she's a with Chris Martin. Like <laughs> she's Dakota Johnson. Like, like I'm sorry. Model. You could not like Dakota Johnson. She's very pretty. Like right. you can't you can dislike her personality or whatever. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying like, you cannot tell me that Dakota Johnson is anyone six. She's say, gorgeous. Not accurate at all. And I was like, that's up on par with like, remember the Pride and Prejudice 2005 version where they're like, oh, Lizzie, you'll never be as pretty as Jane. And it's like, I understand that was Rosamund Pike. But we're talking about Kira Knightley. She can hold her own. She's like, fine. Kira <laughs> Knightley does okay. I'm pretty sure no one's turning Kira Knightley down. Like it just doesn't happen. Yeah, it's happen. not like they're like, eh. right. And so I think there's this weird thing from like 2000s to 2010s about like how awful women were and how that was so funny. And that also lent itself to like the according to gems of the world, where it's like, oh, isn't it so horrible? His wife is such a heartbeat. Yeah. And it's like, you mean the woman running the household who also right. has a job, who also works out, and this schlubby man who doesn't like getting dressed up. It's like, and what do you like to do, Jim? Drink and watch drink the bears. And, watch and hang out with my brother. And we're going to be awful to my sister-in-law who just cares about her sister. Like, it's just right. Like, you're just sitting there watching it and being like, this was what we thought comedy was? <sighs> like, it just doesn't make sense. I'm glad that we've kind of turned a corner on this women being mean to other women or, like, always being mean to women situation. Because you're right. Like in a lot of those comedies and in a lot of these romantic comedies too, it's just like, oh, we're always going to just like bash on these women for like, mm-hmm. oh, you like science, you idiot. You, that's a total nerd thing to like. Like, how could you ever like anything besides like painting your nails? Like, it's so dumb. But I don't, this is like a really bad example, but it seems what it's like in a lot of these movies, honestly. If you have any kind of interests, if you like to read, if you like anything besides doing very stereotypical girl things you're considered like othered and it's strange and i'm glad that we're getting more media where it's like oh girls are allowed to have interests and they're allowed to do things and i guess what they're they're not always the butt of the joke or be (laughs) yeah exactly not always supposed to be like the butt of the joke or be like i have to change myself to Mm -hmm. get someone to appreciate me and this is someone who kept it very secret from people that I wrote fan fiction and was on Quizilla writing stories. I need to the read link. it. My fan fiction? Please don't. Yes. Will you send it to me? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't 
that's like, that's for me now. That's just a joke for me. You still me. have it? Um, I don't have it like saved on my computer, but it's still up on fan fiction because I could I not log into that if fan possible. fiction a little bit yeah. when I was in high school. But... I like to write crossovers and stuff, but... What, um, what would you write crossovers of? I'm not going to say because I don't, because like it's limited stuff. And I've probably already said it on the podcast, but I'm not going to say it again. I'll have to go um, back through our archives. Yes. Go back through all it. 65 <laughs> episodes. I'll just see. play them on twice the speed and be like. Hannah ah. <laughs> mentioned she did fan fiction crossover. You have found my username before. <laughs> That's true. I need to find that again. I have to search back through my texts. Um, but yeah, it's just no one needs to read those again. And see, I, that's that's yeah. funny that you say that that you mentioned that because like looking at that now, I'm like, I think that's pretty creative that people do things like that. And it's something that I would probably tease you about because I know that you're oh. like, I don't want people to know about this. But I think it's actually like I give you a lot of credit for being able to do that and that you were interested in that because it's like that's a hard thing to do to like come up with alternative stories and try to right. like meld worlds together. That's awesome. I think it's very cool that Teenage Hannah did that. Like I, yeah. I have a lot of respect for Teenage Hannah for being like, I'm going to go on fan sure. fiction. And I also did a lot of like writing role playing websites where you had to build a character oh, cool. and then you were writing in different threads of those. Great that I did that wish I had a little bit more adult supervision because that was like my first foray into like certain aspects mm -hmm. of my life that I probably should have had adult supervision over. Sure. But like overall, good on me for writing some fan fiction. But I mean, like, I think I it's don't like a want... really creative thing and it's like good to get your creative juices flowing. That's right. good for kids. I also remember like one of my stories was about like an agorif. It was like, you could tell I'd been reading so much Sarah Dessen and Jodie Picoult and Lorraine McDaniel, sure. where it was like so much sad girl in one story. Lots of where Amish it's, like, books. Oh, lots of Amish books, but the story was like her mom's an agoraphobe who can't leave her room, so she has to take care of the brother. And then you find out that the mom's an agoraphobe because the dad died oh. by like suicide, so he could give his daughter his heart, which doesn't oh. make sense in a medical sense. But Wait, could give he had to do a heart transplant? Like or? they did a heart transplant because she was going to die after a car accident. And he, he killed just himself to, be a to like give. Yes. And also she was like probably 12 when this happened. So that's not how that works. Age wise, Hannah. they wouldn't select Th him. They wouldn't but... select him. But this was Hannah's like sad girl moment. But I, like as an okay. adult, I'm like, oh, I can appreciate that I did that and like have like good on me for doing that. I wouldn't want you to read that. Like, Hannah, this <laughs> sounds, did you ever read or not read? Did you ever watch that Hallmark movie? <sighs> I think it might be when a heart something has heart in the title but uh i was gonna say when, oh, when calls, calls the, heart, the heart but no but that's not it that's not it that's a tv show it's something with heart in the title but is what happens is a bamboo is, heart or bamboo no, heart he gets uh it's like this woman's lover dies or something like that and uh his organs are donated to this person and right. she falls in love with this person that has the heart from yes that person and it's like okay what was this also some of your writing from high school that they just scalped it off the internet <laughs> and made a hallmark movie i'm i feel like i like, know what movie you're talking about i wish i remember i it. need to find but it now also i tried to google something and i said woman falls in love with and the first thing up was dolphin and i was like I don't, I don't want to know. Dolphin? No. <laughs> I don't like a that stranger's heart. I think maybe. Oh, a stranger's heart. Okay. Um, yes, that's it. A stranger's heart. 
she's a workaholic magazine editor who prides herself in having no emotional attachments in her life. She undergoes a life-saving heart transplant. Not only does she find herself strangely drawn to a young girl who happens to be the heart donor's orphan daughter, but she also finds unlikely romance with another patient who has recently received a new heart. She soon discovers that the man named Jasper received the heart from her donor's husband. So they, okay, they received husband and wife hearts. So that's why they fell in love because they have <laughs> husband and wife hearts. No. Oh my God. Can I God. tell you that I remember seeing this when I was in high school and being like, wow, that is fascinating. Isn't that so romantic? I 14 year old got- Laura was out of her mind i got confused with a marissa tomei christian slater joint where halfway through the movie you find out that he was given uh he believes he has a a baboon's heart like he objectively believed he got a heart transplant has a baboon heart so he's like losing it yeah yeah, like (laughs) it's just like no you just need a heart transplant oh my gosh Amazing. And I don't think I've ever seen that movie. I just know it as the movie with the baboon. Christian <laughs> Slater's in it. And Marissa Tomei. Not Rosie long Perez. after Heather's. <laughs> <laughs> this was made in 1993. Like, that's... Oh, <laughs> oh, it says, Caroline learns that he has a heart defect and will die without a transplant. Adam, claiming that he has a baboon's heart, loving, lovingly <laughs> claiming told... <laughs> Lovingly told to him by a nun at the orphanage where he grew up, refuses to listen, stating that he is afraid he will no longer be the same person if he gets a Okay, so what I'm getting from this is there's like a flashback at the beginning of a nun at his orphanage being like, oh yeah, well you have a baboon's heart. And then he, he believes it, he takes everything for truth. No, 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 and she then- told him lovingly that he has a <laughs> Go to sleep, child, you have a baboon's heart. <laughs> <laughs> I could have I could have written that on Quizilla. Oh <laughs> could you imagine like oh, this is so amazing. He thinks he has a baboon. <laughs> this was a movie that got made. It's a 56% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Worse than the Dove. Honestly, I mean, I'm shocked by that. Roger it, Ebert gave it that three high. stars. Roger Ebert, what? <laughs> it's he didn't kind really of... like. Uh, was it Black Panther that he didn't like that much? Yeah. What the he, heck? He wrote, "It's kind of sweet and kind of goofy. Works because its heart is in the right place." Sometimes it it is well known that like Roger Ebert on a good day would just randomly like throw someone a bone and be like, really? "I'm gonna mm-hmm. give it three stars because they tried." <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. the baboon heart movie. <laughs> wow that i am shocked yeah so you know let's get back on track here what have you been reading and watching a wild ride today i was gonna say <laughs> i am thinking that maybe i have some a baboon's brain or something right now because i'm my mind is blown uh <laughs> So I wrote a review for one of the books I read this week. So go check it out at rpod.com or Nary Monsters by J.M. Miro. So read all about it there. Um, Complicated thoughts. Hopefully. You know, I haven't written a review long form in a while. So I was a little nervous that I was going a little bit too wild. But I did. I always appreciate your reviews when they're not like 
I love this book. I because I think you do well thought out reviews where you're like trying to consider different viewpoints and acknowledge like okay maybe this book wasn't for me and yeah. why but because everything is subjective so if you yeah just like exactly a book, it's very subjective i you know tamara pierce who we did we just read one of her books she said this was a riveting mix of magic and terror nothing mm. was that terrifying were there any book, badgers but... <laughs> no but there's a bird all over this oh, okay. um actually there's not really a bird in the book but like it's okay. the cover. So I was a little confused by that. I Maybe it's some like Edgar Allan Poe stuff going on. Uh, it, it felt like a, I said, it felt like a mix of X-Men, Umbrella Academy and Stranger Things all rolled into oh, one. Okay. Um, But nothing very unique about it. It was just like a straightforward, like if you mixed all those together and wrote a fan fiction on it, that okay. was the book you're reading. Okay. Um, so I far into that just because I don't think it's needed. I did listen to two audiobooks um, as I talked about on my bookstagram, not to bring in everything else of all the content we create. But we want I, it all! I'm trying to, I just started listening to more and more audiobooks this year. So far it's yes, about 40% yay. of all the books I've listened to. Awesome. Um, or read, consumed, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah. And I realized that I was honestly picking a lot of white authors for audiobooks sure. mostly because like if I want an audiobook I want something that I'm not going to be like a hundred percent active with like I want it sure. to be a little bit lighter a little bit breezier a little bit like in the background as I'm doing my dishes or something but <clears throat> that can happen with authors who are not white so I had to mm -hmm. check my mm -hmm. own privilege and so I tried to download a bunch of um, audiobooks by Black authors just to try to see different types. Okay. Um, and I read The Red Island House by Andrea Lee. Okay. It was fine. Um, What's that about? It's about kind of, it's, it's a very different type of story where it's about a woman who, she's American, she is Black, and she married an Italian man who decides to like build a house in Madagascar as like a vacation home. Okay. And it's kind of about her lifetime surrounding this house. Like when she comes back to it in the summer, you're dropped in on different points of her life. It's relatively short. Okay. Um, and it's just kind of about her own identity, like struggling with coming back to a place that is full of people who it's like, she is part of the privilege class, but she mm -hmm. is one of the on only black people in the privilege class. Mm -hmm. So she deals with a lot of like guilt and identity and how she feels about the way they like keep housekeepers and everything and it kind of like makes her muddled and figuring out like who she is in all of this and it also sure. goes into details of her marriage and like womanhood and I thought when the book was about her time in Madagascar I was really interested in that mm -hmm. but some of it like at one point because you dropped in at different points of her life at like a couple different points, I found myself just like glazing over and being like, mm, sure. I'm not as interested in this story. So sure. it wasn't the perfect audiobook, but I do wonder if it would have been a different experience reading it. Um, but I liked it. Like, I don't think people should mm -hmm. not read it. I thought it was really interesting. And I really like delving into books like this. Sure. Um, Another Brooklyn is one of my favorite books, um, I believe by Jacqueline Woodson. Jacqueline Woodson. Yes. I love another Brooklyn. And like, that's also a very weird one where you're just dropping sure. on characters at different points in their lives and you're just learning from them. Mm -hmm. Um, but, and then on the other side, I, another book where you're just dropped in on random characters, uh, the secret lives of church ladies by Disha. Okay. Ilya. That book's been everywhere on bookstagram. It's everywhere on bookstagram. And honestly, so good. Like oh, really this book okay. was so good. It's just like, it's, it's a bunch of short stories about women, obviously, and <laughs> you're just dropping in two different characters and the way it deals with like 
Was it a full cast audio or was it? It wasn't a full cast audio. It's just one narrator. Single narrator. Okay. But it's all women. So like she does different voices and she does different intonations. And it's all about like black women and Mm -hmm. their religion and their faith and struggling with like sexuality and like so many good. There's one story that I like adored because it was the struggle of like someone who's very religious Mm-hmm. And she mm-hmm. starts reading her granddaughter's diary and like learning oh. all these things about the granddaughter. And like, she keeps, she keeps judging the granddaughter. And it was so like, you're, it's so mm-hmm. difficult because you're listening to this woman and you know, she's coming from a good place, but you see like the toxicity right. of it. And I was like floored. I loved this book. I thought it was amazing. Interesting. Um, it's so, it? it's Check so quick. Out. It's like only 280 pages. Like it's so oh, really? fast. So that like you could, if you're doing it on two times speed, which I did because that's sure. how I listen to audiobooks. It's done in like two and a half hours. Like it's not a slow read. It's a really quick read, but it's, Huzzah, so it's on script. I've Perfect. Got it. Yeah. Um, I highly recommend the secret lives of church ladies. I get what the hype is about. Okay. Adored every second of it. I was like anxious to read it. So that was maybe very I'll see if good. I can squeeze that in. Yeah, as we, you know, delve into all the different things we're doing. Um, yes. And then for watching, I finished Miss Marvel. I cried, openly subbed. Um, so good. People should watch it. So it was it. worth it. It was really worth it. It's so cute. I will say, like, for people who are huge Marvel fans, remember that it is for this, this television show in particular is for children. Sure. It's not for adults. Like, so enjoy it with the childhood wonder of someone who's experiencing that. You know, you and I talked about this not that long ago. I think it was when you were sobbing, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) we were saying, you know, there needs to be more content that's just joyful. Mm -hmm. And we specifically called out like Heartstopper for being just a joyful TV show. And you mentioned Ms. Marvel and... I think the is it Ms. Marvel or Miss? Ms. I, it's Ms. Marvel. So. Ms. Marvel. Okay, I was unsure on that. Um, but yeah, period, I think you know. I think there's been a lot of content, TV shows and movies specifically that's been like really dark. Mm-hmm. And I'm specifically just like thinking back to the beginning of 2020, and I'm going to cite Tiger King as being the beginning of the end because that was a very bizarre and dark show. <laughs> It was like it just snowballed from there, but I, <laughs> I blame one Tiger that I already listened to the entire podcast on, and then I still watched the TV show, and I was like, I actually learned more from the podcast. <laughs> just bizarre, yeah. But yeah, I feel like that was when I specifically remember things starting to kind of go off the rails with like the darkness and everything, and. It's just not that there isn't a place for those type of TV shows. Like I love Ozark and I love Umbrella Academy and a lot of TV shows that have a lot of dark things happen, but it's just nice to be able to have some happy shows to watch. Sometimes you need that. Like, we need that you want to escape. I know my old roommate watched a lot of Korean dramas on Netflix okay. And she was always like, Hannah, I think you need to watch them because you don't watch enough joyful TV. Sure. So I I have a problem with reading subtitles. It's not like a thing where I'm like, oh, how dare you? It's mm-hmm. I literally have to be doing something when I'm watching TV. So I do struggle sure. with that, but I should learn how to read subtitles um, better. But I agree. Movies and TV shows have gotten very dark. But I watched that and then I, I watched there's not the, a place for it. But- I, I watched the Netflix persuasion. Um how was it, Hannah? It wasn't I've as bad as I thought it was going to be. I've seen so many complaints. 
So like, I think a, I love the 1995 version. So I already have a perfect adaption of persuasion. In my opinion, I think that that is a perfect adaption of that book. Um, so when I walked into this, I didn't expect to like it at all. I didn't hate it. So like, I see that as a win. It isn't going to be a good adaption by any means. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, she's way too much of a millennial. Like the, do you know all those millennial jokes they have about millennials? They threw them on They the threw all of them in. Like she's guzzling wine, crying in a tub, saying all this crap that like, okay. it just makes you roll your eyes. And sometimes like, like- This didn't happen in the Regency era. Mm-hmm. And sometimes like the way, the language they picked for this was really weird. Like at one point she's like, we're worse than, you know, enemies, we're exes. And it's like, why- is Dakota Johnson saying exes? It's right. the Regency year. Like, right. this doesn't make sense. Um, they also, like, tried to make it a little bit too much like Emma period. Yeah. <laughs> because it's a period piece. Um, where Emma period, like, made sense when it had some of the, like, kooky, more modern takes, like, mm-hmm. wrapped into a period piece. This felt like it was like, oh, we're going to be that artistic. And it's like, but you're not, you're a, you're right. a Netflix film. So it, I can feel you trying to be fancy right. and that's not how this works. Um, and like, Anne Elliot, Sometimes they try too hard. And Anne Elliot is supposed to be like a very useful character. Who's mm-hmm. like a little bit more demure. She's like very much watching and she is cutting, but it's like in her own mind, which is hard to do sure. on adaption. So they have her break the fourth wall. But they also give her like so many cringy moments that you're sitting there and you're like, why did that just happen? Ooh. That's not Anne Elliot. But if you watch it like without any of the context of the book, which I made Laura read and she loved. <laughs> it's a good book. <laughs> it's, it's a, a really good, good book. book. Um, if you watch it as just a pure romance, like you're not watching Anne Elliot, you're watching a romantic version of that. Mm-hmm. It is much better because it's just okay. like at one point, my friend and I, who was watching it with me, were like, Captain Wentworth has zero personality in this book. Like, he exists to be in love with Anne, but like in the actual book, you find out like he's incredibly philosophical. Mm-hmm. He wants kids. Mm-hmm. He's been thinking about all this stuff. He's like talking to like Louisa to figure out if she's a sure. good partner. And there's like, they talk a couple of times and then he's like, I think I let her on. And it's like, yeah, (laughs) but there seemed to be some understanding of that for him in the books where he was like seeing if he could have an adult match without like the passion. Mm -hmm. And there was none of that (laughs) or in this adaption. So like, I think it took a lot about what makes persuasion amazing, which is seeing like people moving past their own resentment and past their own life mistakes and coming to terms with who they were and who they are. Yeah. And it's just like, these two people can't, can't let the other go. And it's like, that's what, that wasn't what persuasion was about. I feel like it's it's more of a self-discovery type Mm -hmm. story than anything. Yeah. And like, that's just, Anne's supposed to be so sweet and useful. Yeah. And in this, it feels like she's always put upon in a very like, uh, oh, these millennials, they just don't like to work, uh, you know? And it just didn't make sense all the time. But, and there was like a miscommunication that went on three scenes too long. <laughs> oh, well, that's unfortunate. I know. So, you know, it wasn't terrible, but I will likely never watch that movie again outside of like okay. if one of my sisters wants to watch it. Fair. So. I consumed it. It wasn't it's as bad as I thought. It's not making Austin land. 
<laughs> it's not as good. It's not making Austin land. Or not Austin all... land. Uh, Bosom gosh. friends. <laughs> What was your trip to Portland? Thurston Land. Thurston Land. (laughs) Yeah. Not Austin Land. Austin Land is the name of the movie. Yes. Thurston Land was the name of the week-long trip through Austin. (laughs) Yeah. I I doubt. I think she and I will just rewatch the 1995 Persuasion or the PBS version, which is also very good. So. Okay. um, You should definitely watch those instead. Okay. But with that said, should we get into the rest of the plot? Yep. Now that we have talked so long about so many things. I'm really going to hate myself tomorrow editing this. Like, (laughs) shut up. Why are they going on for 10 minutes about fan fiction? Laura, we get it. You hated the duff. Just stop (laughs) talking about it. Uh, If you guys are listening to it, all you get was like Laura being like, the duff was a bad movie. And then we cut on to the next. I may just leave the description for the episode. The Duff was a bad movie. (laughs) Now that we're all in this together. Um, So in the last episode, we left off with finding out that Alton was high on opium and Mm -hmm. had been getting high for a very long time. So Rin kind of. High a lot. He is high a lot. That's he's been disappearing. He's been smelling of smoke and like Rin kind of has her aha moment where Mm -hmm. she's like, oh, this is what's been going on. Everyone goes to see him in private. They've kept this from me. And she's kind of talking to them and like, there's a lot of judgment coming from her um, about like how addictive this is. Like opium is just, it's a drug and she feels like it's, she says it's disgusting. It's pathetic. And all of the other soldiers are defending him and they're like, you do Mm -hmm. not understand this is a lot for him to go through. Um, again, we often talk about how Rin has a blind spot to other people's suffering. Yeah. Um, and I mean, to give Rin a little credit, she's grown up her whole life just being extremely opposed and being trained to think that opium use is the most terrible thing in the world. So yes. there is that. And he's kind of going a little bit off the deep end right now, just with all the stuff that happened. Yeah. At Golan Nice. He's dealing with trauma. Yeah, he's dealing with trauma. They're kind of like, and they're going through it at Golan Nice. Like mm-hmm. they're trying to bury mm-hmm. the dead. They're trying to burn them. They like literally can't eat food because they just taste blood and corpses. Like it is yep. a very cruel and terrible moment. Um, and then they also find out that like at Golan Nice, they tried to surrender, they didn't accept it. So, like, there's just so much mm-hmm. going on where they're kind of facing the monstrosity that happened from the Federation and how they massacred people. Um, and it says that they did not think of Nikara as human. So it's just kind of the tragedy of war, which is very interesting when you think about it, the dynamic of oftentimes she says that the Federation aren't humans, they're people right. who are going to kill, they're like going to kill them. They're the, you know the the oppressors all this stuff Mm -hmm. so she has been kind of going through that and then she falls asleep at some point exhausted and she wakes up to alton and um shagan right yep shagan okay he's the one name i struggle with um and shagan is fighting with alton because he realizes that alton wants to go somewhere and release the gatekeeper as well as others um and he's like you can't release thousands he's like well with thousands of seek um right psych seek? psych psych okay with thousands of psych they could make sure that this war is over and alton is kind of like being mm-hmm. like he's desperate he wants to do something and he's like so these people can help us he names phelan and he's like 
And uh, Shagan is like, you're speaking of monstrosities. This is a really bad idea. And mm-hmm. um, he's trying to convince Alton that like, this isn't spear, that this was just kind of a lost battle, that it is a tragedy, sure. but like they need to move on from this. And Alton is like, no, I don't care. I don't care. And there, He's like, well, we have orders from the empress. And he's like, I don't give a fuck what the empress says. And he's like, right. well, you just want retribution you want revenge and that's not what I'm here for and Alton just kind of tells Shagan like I like you need to follow orders and so if you don't like it leave leave um and so Shagan and Kara end up leaving um immediately and she tries to talk to Shagan and she's like I overheard you with Alton and he's just kind of like okay well are you gonna go help him or are you, you know he's just sitting there saying mm-hmm. like this is bad um and uh he says that the their her commander has gone mad and she's like well you're just gonna let the federation like go to senate like you're going to let the federation take over if you don't take action um but Shagan is kind of speechless with this and it like scares her that she's seeing so many people that she trusted sure. kind of fall around her. Um, and then he, uh, sorry, I'm less- Rin is still like really impressionable though, because I feel like at least when I'm reading this and when I went through a reread, I was sympathetic to what Alton was wanting to do. And yes. how he was reacting to seeing all the literal carnage mm-hmm. from that at Golanese. But I think when you're reading it, it's really easy to sympathize with Shagan and be like, no, you have to look at the grand scheme of things and realize that you can't just immediately retaliate in all situations. And you have to be like, yes, we lost a battle. Unfortunately, this is a war. We have to move on and... Rin doesn't really have those kind of thoughts. She's quick to just be like, I'm going to go with Alton. Mm-hmm. I'm going to help him. I She's kind of <laughs> under the belief that like, this is what happens in war. It, it's better mm-hmm. to have a lot she's of casualties quick to now and get over with, like get this over with. And I think a lot of people want to say that they're shotgun in this type of book, but they're not. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm definitely not either. I, yeah, I'm not. I just I, think when you're reading it, you're it's easier to sympathize and be on Shagan's quote unquote side. Yes. Because you think like, well, he's being so thoughtful. He's saying like, yes. this isn't worth it. We have to keep a calm head. We have mm-hmm. to be the adults in the room. But if you're and in I, that situation, it's so easy to fall into Alton's position. Yes. And I think a lot of people want to be Shagan, but they are Alton. Right. Like, <laughs> right. I don't even know where I fall. I think I'm probably... Uh, a shogun with an Alton moon. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but I don't know. Um, no so, one can know unless they're in the situation. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> um, but so he, shogun kind of admits to Rin that um, Alton was kind of tortured and he mm-hmm. had experiments done upon him after the spear fell. Um, and that's why he is the way he is and why he can fight so much is because he has so much anger and so much need for this that he's a lot of resentment build up. Mm-hmm. And, she, and she goes, he never told me. And it's like, yeah. Why would he tell you? He's like, he likes to suffer in silence. Don't we all? <laughs> like who just like meets someone and is like, oh yeah, I'm your commander. You want to mm-hmm. hear about all my childhood trauma? 
Especially like, when like, I'm supposed to be no. your teacher. Like you don't right. need to hear about to... all the steps. Like Exactly. Like I'm supposed to be like your role model and like guiding you. I'm not just mm-hmm. going to like list out all my childhood trauma and why I do things the way that I do. Yeah. I'm the adult in the room. Like I'm trying to be the adult in the room, even if I'm a reactionary right. adult. So he kind of says like, Alton likes to suffer in silence. He likes to see his hatred fester. And like, you guys worship the Phoenix. The Phoenix is the like God of fire, but also mm-hmm. the God of rage and like everything inside him is rage. So he smokes opium to mm-hmm. dial down on the rage, which is a very um, specific something I identify with as someone who has struggled with um, substance abuse. Sure. Um, it That rang true to me where it's like, you don't use the substance to like, get to this like oh higher plane of existence you're mm-hmm. doing it to escapes like the realness of the world sure. around you so i found that very interesting and very poignant sure. um and so then she goes she finds alton um she kind of sits and she uh meditates with him um mm-hmm. and she kind of suddenly realizes why alton needed the opium and he, she kind of apologizes for the way she acted and she says that she is with him because he is going to Chulu Creek um, mm-hmm. to let out all the gods who had been mirrored in there. Um, unnatural beings. Unnatural beings, yes. So we get this kind of background on Chulu Creek, <laughs> um, kind of telling you how it like came to be that a goddess went down to the world. Um and she fell in love um, after being left for dead after she was raped. Um, and she has a child mm-hmm. and people start to like really love her and worship her mm-hmm. almost because of everything she is giving. And her brother becomes jealous and he um, kills her son and her husband. And then he puts her in the prison of Chulu Creek Um and just about how he kept people in there. And that is how the beginning happened with it. Um, and then Rin says goodbye to Katai. He's kind of like, where are you going? Don't you have enough respect for me to tell me what's going on? Right. And she's like, this is going to be hard to handle. And then she just like unloads everything she's been keeping from him. Um, and he, Poor Katai. Uh, Poor Katai. And like, he's even smart enough to be like, no, you're trying to deceive me. Like, you're not trying to tell me things. You're just trying to deceive me. And so uh, she like tells him about like a mirroring. She tells him about everything. And he like Mm -hmm. kind of understands because he's Katai. He does like wonder if this is a smart idea. Um, And he's like, this is a very dangerous army. And, like, how can you be so sure that they're going to save uh, Nikan? And, like, he's like, who's going to save you? You and your opium-addled uh, commander. And she's kind of like, we have to do this. Rin is all on board like, with Alton now. We can do whatever we want. And we'll be good at it. Right. And it's like, will you? I don't know. Yeah. And so then they all leave. And, like, Alton's like, go see us at the rendezvous point shagan is in charge and they're like where is he and he's like i don't know (laughs) he's He's in charge that's not a good thing um and so they kind of write off they train as they go they kind of talk to one another um and so and he also notes that like while at synagogue he 
was trained as a soldier, but that meant they also mm-hmm. gave him access to opium. Yeah, um, they just fed him opium like nonstop to keep him just in a constant state. Yep. Um, and he kind of goes over with like Shagan um, has thought he saw the gatekeeper, um, but then he disappeared. He intentionally closed himself off in Chulu Creek. And he thought that they were just going to try to open it up to the gatekeeper um, and like kind of through him, get to the emperor and find out Mm -hmm. what the empress did to them. Um, And Shagan didn't know that he wanted to free other people. And that's why he left. Um, And so they keep going. They're going up the mountain. Um, And like Alton's been there before, but he's never been inside of it. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of a mystery. And he's, she asks like why they can't be killed. And we find out that shaman can't really be p- killed if they're fully possessed. Um, they're no longer human. They're not mortal. They're just vessels to the divine. It's like they're just <laughs> in like this in-between space. Yes. And like Rin is kind of horrified that this is what happens to people who accept gods mm-hmm. into their life. And like Alton's just kind of like, yeah, it's just, it's my job. Um, mm-hmm. And Rin thinks about Suni, who's, like, so poor, gentle, and horrifically strong, and how he's, like, kind of falling into madness as well. Yeah. Um, but then Alton is like, no, but I'm not going to be like them. I won't turn on my people. I'm not going to, like, leave people behind. I'm going to believe in them. And she kind of, like, wants to believe in that, but she is uncertain. Sure. So they climb up. Um, they get there, and they're... <laughs> And like Alton's like, I remember Tyr told me something about a crag. And so they find it, they go inside, the door is shut behind them, and they cannot access their power. Um, and they go in and they find like this <laughs> listing of all the people who are embarrassed there. And right. um, Rin looks at the last person to have entered and <laughs> she's like, oh, I knew it. And so did most people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Poor Jang. I know. She goes and she runs because Jang um, put himself in there. She uh, opens the door. They kind of see him. And she tries to convince um, Zhang um, to, like, come help them. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I don't, I don't believe in like doing this. I don't believe in war. Sure. And, um, and he's like, and Alton is like, if you don't help, then it's just like Nikon will fall. And he's like, well, then let it fall. This is just what happens in the world. Like we exist in it, but like these things happen. Um, and he's like, this path only leads to darkness that you guys are going under. Um, and he says that like, if you unleash all of these people on Mugen, they will ensure that war continues for generations and generations. It'll burn entire provinces. You'll rip apart the very fact, fabric of the universe. And um, there are gods entombed in this mountain and they will treat the material world as a plaything. So he kind of recognizes like gods don't see this as real life. They like, mm-hmm. they're not affected by this. This is just something to be around. Um, while they're on the world and kind of wreaking havoc is all about like, and Alton believes he can control this. He can't. Um, he thinks there's going to be like some type of wrangling that he can do, like that he can harness this. And it's like, you're not going to be able to. Yep. And he says like, I'm different. I can do this. I mm-hmm. can have control. And he's like, you don't want to save Nikon. You want to raise uh, Mugen. 
And he's like, that's the same thing. And he's like, no, it's not. (laughs) You're not actually patriotic. You're not fighting for the betterment of other people. You're fighting for your own retribution and your own hatred. Um, And he's like, all this will bring us chaos and chaos does not discriminate against like who's going to be affected by it. Um, And Zhang says that he's terrified because he's starting to remember who he once was, because as we remember, he could not remember before. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he looks at Alton and he says, don't go down that path. Your country is ash. You can't bring it back with blood. And Alton gapes at him and he goes, Urja knew, didn't he? And he goes, what? Urja didn't. Urja never. Oh, he knew. He must have known. Um, and so there's just kind of this thing going on that we still don't know the entire story mm-hmm. of what's happening. Um, Marin has to see a lot of conversations where she doesn't understand what's going on. Um, but she ends up choosing... Um, to stay with Alton and not go with Young. And um, I hate all the moments where she has to choose something over Young, and it just ugh, breaks my heart every time that his heart has to be broken. I know, but it's such a hard path to be like, <sighs> I know that destruction will lie here and your people will suffer, but the end result is better. Like, that is a terrible thing to have mm-hmm. to tell someone and ha- like have a human person accept. Like, right. you will have to see your entire country fall you will have to see the horrors of like Gol and Nice, but like the end result, this will be done. And it's right. like, no, but we will have lost everything and we will have suffered so much trauma and she's just not willing to do that. And I think mm-hmm. that that's also a very realistic and very human thing. Sure. Um, so he disappears <laughs> or well, he immures himself. The stone covers say, he his goes face. back yeah. in. Yeah, he immures himself. He won't come out. And so then um, Alton decides to go see Phelan, who was the last person to be immured before Zhang. And they kind of let him loose. Uh, and he like almost comes back into himself, but then his God takes and over again. This is a situation where it's like Alton kind of comes to the realization that I don't have control over this and this isn't what I thought was going to happen. Yep. And Phelan is also like, what you did to me was torture. I'm a God. Like you made me suffer in complete mm-hmm. like non-existence here. And that's horrible. And like, he also recognizes that they don't have their powers right now, but they mm-hmm. left the door open so he can escape. Um, so they almost like keep him trapped there, but they can't, he ends up getting out. Mm-hmm. And then as they go to leave, there are suddenly Federation soldiers everywhere and they found them. Um, they think about trying to fight, but they cannot, they don't have any access to their powers while they're still inside. Um, and like, she kind of knows that Alton is still only a man without any of these things to help him. And right. so then they knock them both out. Rin wakes up, um, kind of tied down. She like is trying to get out. Alton tries to use fire, but they keep dousing him in water, which is like the funniest way of like real world stakes to come up where it's like, oh, the people who have fire just pour well, water on them. It's <laughs> almost comical that they're just like, just get a bucket of water. Right? Like, oh no, he's about to flame. <laughs> like, um, it's sparking so they, again. She kind of sees that they're in a cart. They're being traveled around. She gets to kind of see the destruction around her. Um, and there's like fleeing villagers everywhere. She sees a man trying to sell who is likely his two children, two soldiers. Mm-hmm. Um, that is horrifying. Um, they are toddlers. So, um, 
she's kind of horrified. Alton says, keep saying like, they're going back. He can't go back. Um, then she finds out that they're back in the place that had tortured Alton once upon yep. a time. Um, which when and- I like finally like realized where they were at, I was like, Ugh, my, my stomach just sunk. Ugh. It's also such a weird shift because it's almost like a lot of this book has taken place in like almost an old, like olden time feel, no matter sure. what, kind of like an ancient, but immediately they're like, they're in a laboratory and you're yeah. like kind of brought into this space of like, almost. Mm-hmm. it's not modern, but it's like more modern than what we've been mm-hmm. reading about where it's like gods and ancient times and respect mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And then it's like science. Ugh. Yes. And like this man comes in who is, you know, uh, they note that the Federation is back in Hesperia. The place should have been destroyed after the Second Poppy War. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. It was never destroyed. Um, and Alton is kind of just, like, so scared because he's being shocked back into this. And they meet Dr. Yeah. Shiro, the chief medical officer of the camp, who, like, is like, Alton, I never thought I'd see you again. And he treats him so grossly where he's just I like, hate it. He's like, oh my god! Like it's almost like he's back to school or something. Where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, you're back! Isn't that great? And we can pick up where we left off. Yes. Like, Ugh. Um. And then he shoots him up with heroin. Uh. And they kind of keep Alton on heroin a lot. Um. And he says like he's just looking for knowledge. They're so interesting. There's so much to learn from them. Mm-hmm. And we kind of find out he's obsessed with the fact that like Spearleys can access the gods and he wants to know how and he tortures alton to get rin to admit it but rin cannot tell him about the pantheon because she thinks it would like disrespect everything she's Mm -hmm. worked for and she doesn't really know herself honestly right like she barely understands it um and he kind of notes that like well this is it like the opium doesn't hurt him we have to use so much on him because he's built up such a tolerance i haven't mm-hmm. fed him the opium in years so where was he getting it from so it's like this evil thing of like i shot him up when he was a four-year-old mm-hmm. but no one tried to fix him afterwards so like who's right. the real evil and it's like well everyone everyone is the everyone's real bad in this situation um but he kind of points out that um uh Nikaden's, like kept him addicted um and he also notes that like the Spearleys were a community who like had their own independence. Mm-hmm. They lived on an island. They did have like mild hallucinogenics that they used for rituals. Mm-hmm. And then the Federation kind of swooped in and gave them opium and like got them addicted. Uh, so a very specific theme of colonialism here. Um, and she is horrified at the thought of the Nicaraguans like causing a huge issue that popped up with Spearleys. Sure. Um, and she promises to burn the guy alive. And he also, this is also where she finds out that the Empress likely told them where, uh, Chulu Kareth was to mm-hmm. let them be taken because the Empress has like, is underhanded and making plans that none of them knew about. Um, right. and so it's not going great. Um, and we're not going to get into all the different realities of this, but it ends yeah. with, um, at one point, Alton is about to try to escape with fire. Um, and they kind of rush in and they shoot them both up with heroin, which Dr. Shiro is horrified by because he didn't want her to be shut up with heroin because she actually doesn't 
has never used it before. Right. Um, and because it is a hallucinogenic, it like shoots her right up to the Pantheon yeah. area and she sees Alton there. And like, again, we learned with Shagan, like this is a different plane of existence and she is definitely mm-hmm. like in that plane. So mm-hmm. she's able a little bit, like she's able to act this a little bit more control, able to create the visuals that she needs to be around Alton. Um, and she kind of tells him about how they were sold out. Um, and like Spear has always been a pawn for the Empire's geopolitical chess game. And Alton is just getting really tired and he's sick. And she's like, no, you can do this. Like you can fight through this. Um, oh, and then while they're there, they suddenly see the woman that. Uh, it's been kind of the block. Yes. Who's been stopping them from getting or stopping Rin from getting to the Phoenix as much as she right. would like. And we find out that it is Marnin Tirja who was the queen who abandoned Spear. Um, and she kind of says like, I didn't abandon them. I chose mm-hmm. a different path. I knew that if I made everyone burn, like it would be destruction and generations of war and kind of what Jiang has been saying all along. Right. <laughs> and she was like, I just recognized that it wasn't worth it. Um, and like Alton is kind of like, no, this is the God of revenge. Like this is the power that belongs to the Spearleys. We have every mm-hmm. right. And so, and then Alton takes Rin through kind of like a dream experience where they experience different parts of the Spearly people mm-hmm. where they're like dancing. Um, she sees the ghosts of Spear. She sees people who are sad or just like existing in their world and like a memory that she's like, how could I never have remembered this? Um, and she also learns that like their God is an angry God. It will insist on vengeance. And there's like a lot right. of warnings about accepting the Phoenix. Um, but she gets a blessing from the people and she's kind of like the Phoenix. This is what we do. This is what we're supposed to be doing. Um, and there they go back to the, to earth and they're able to like pretty much blow up the lab and escape Mm -hmm. immediately. Um, and, uh, Alton also kind of like kill Shiro in like one of the most again Alton has Mm. very graphic death scenes Yes, and he definitely kills Shiro in a very graphic way and yes. like Shiro is almost excited about it to like see it's like a hypothesis coming true to him yes and so they start running to like get out of there um and they're like starved weekend and half drug but they are able to like get out because and fight because Ren and Alton are the same side of the same coin Laura <laughs> Same side of the same coin. Because <laughs> it's not like when she fights with Neja. She and Neja just like Two knew each other. But like Rin and Alton are of the same, same. people. Because it's like he's like a brother. He's like a brother. <laughs> he's he not a romantic is interest. Her brother. Uh, um, From Spear. Yeah. And then they get to it and like. Alton kind of tells her that she has to get to Spear. They're very close to it because they are, um, it's southeast of there. It's a long swim. But he said that she must save um, their people. Um, And Alton says he will lend a distraction, which I have thoughts about. Um, Mm -hmm. That Alton is just here to be sacrificed again and again and again. Um, It's kind of his whole thing. Yeah. And he says that he is not as strong as Rin, which I would argue is not true. 
Um, I had a lot of feelings of sympathy for sure. Alton. Um, okay, so he runs off and he kind of like erupts in a flame and he is the shadow of a man and you know, she hears birds cackle in the sky and she sees the fl in the flames the image of Tirja and Tirja is weeping because she is upset about what's going on. So um, Rin swims, she almost drowns at one point, um, but the gods kind of keep her alive saying like, mm -hmm. I sense your sacrifice, your pain, but you must awake. Um, and she gets there and it, we also kind of go above, like she starts seeing things from like a different perspective. So she sees mm -hmm. Shagan and Kara and Shagan is kind of like, is that you Alton? Um, and it's not, but mm -hmm. he hopes it. And then she kind of gets to their land and she can't find the old temple, which is what she was looking for to gain access to the Phoenix. Um, and she is like kind of horrified by it. She thinks all hope is lost. And then she realizes that the temple was underground all along. Um, and so she like is able to go and descend into the temple and get up. And Tirsha again tells her to stop. Um, she tries to warn her away. Um, and Rin kind of tells her that she did nothing. Her act was of cowardice. Mm -hmm. And Tirsha was like, no, I was acting from a higher principle. Um, but Rin moves through her first and Tira, she, like Tirsha's spirit dissolves into fire. Um, she talks to the Phoenix and she's like, I would have come sooner, but I was warned against you. And he asks what she wants from the Phoenix. And she says she wants an end to the Federation. And she says that she will give the Phoenix everything if he will do this for her. Um, and he kind of points out that like nothing is ever written down. So he can't know which way she was going to go before right. this. Um, and he accepts it. Uh, and she, he says, your will is mine. And then um, Rin burns uh, and she feels like the whole world is on fire, which it pretty much is. And she her can, world is on fire. Mm -hmm, and she can feel the lives of civilians dying all around her. Mm -hmm. um, and it does talk about the terrible guilt and the reality of actually taking lives like this. Cause again, it is like a very almost, it's very personal to her, but it's also like, there's a lot of, you're not actually killing a man. Like she talks about actually killing someone right. with their hands versus this is a choice to let something else mm -hmm. flow through her and cause a huge disruption. Um, but she kind of tries to remove it saying that this, like these aren't lives their numbers and it's a necessary mm -hmm. subtraction to save them. She's like, I needed to do this. Yes. Um, and she's kind of, she's pretty much on fire. It's everywhere. Um, and so she gets out and she collapses on the sand. She wakes up on a boat <laughs> and she finds out that she is at sea. She's free and all the people are there. They found her on spear surrounded by glass. And she's kind of like, yeah, I erupted onto fire on the sand. And guess what happens when that mm -hmm. happens? Um, and the psych eyes, were the ones that found her. Right? Yes, the, yes, I'm sorry. The psych are all around her. Apologies for that. Um, and now her eyes look like Alton's, so they are red. Um, and they kind of say, like, we had met at the location we were supposed to see you guys at. We thought something was going on. So, <laughs> right. um, 
Unigan tracked the Federation soldiers all the way down to where they were. Um, and then they said that they saw like a huge fire near the Federation. And she was like, that's Alton. And they're like, we figured. Um, and she says that he is dead and Shagan like must be told. Um, Kara sent them a message saying that they were coming and she has been out for three days. And Kitai is with them. He is unharmed, but he's also like asks her about what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's kind of horrified with the choice she made. Right. Right. Yeah. He's just, yeah. He, can't, he can't really understand. And he's like, you killed people. And she's like, do you remember what they did at Golanese? And he's like, yeah, but that wasn't right. Like these were people with children. You right. just made like, like those are civilians. Yeah. And you're yeah. kind of taking the eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. One thing. Very seriously. And he's like, he's a strategist so he's like what you did is like you erupted a volcano because we find out mm-hmm. that's kind of what happened mugen is very near a volcano she had it erupt and like kill mm-hmm. everyone and he was kind of like what you did will lead to more people suffering and dying right. you can't take that away um and she's kind of like I-, I couldn't there's almost something where she's like i can barely feel like i did this but she does know on some level it was her um I feel like and, she's also just like because of that, she's somewhat removed from the situation where she has kind of an apathetic take towards it at some points. Where at times I feel like she is horrified that she's done it, but at other times the way that she's just like, I had to do it. Uh-huh. And it it it's difficult. It's it's a very difficult and it's a very human reaction to be sure. like not quite sure. And she also repeats some language that the Phoenix told to her, which is like mm-hmm. everyone has a choice. You guys like to pretend yep. that you don't. And so at one point, Katai is like, did the Phoenix make you do this? And she's like, no, I did this. Like, you mm-hmm. have no right telling me that. Um, and then she says she must go after the Empress because um, the Empress is the one who sent them to the Federation to Chulu Creek. And she's like, well, that's what the Mugani said. And he's like, and they have no incentive to lie to you. And she kind of right. realizes how naive she's been, but she can't let that go. And she does think that the Empress did that. Um and Katai is kind of like, look at everyone who died. Again, he names Nesha. And I'm like, <laughs> Katai doesn't give a shit oh, about Nesha. Like, come on. Um, but he's kind of like, everyone's dying. And like, this isn't worth it. Um, and he says that she is no longer Fang Runin. Um, so Katai kind of leaves her. And she starts asking for opium because she cannot like be in existence Mm -hmm. in herself. And she realizes how angry and how awful she's felt. Um, And she says that if Zhang could see her now, he would have locked her in Chulu Creek. And she kind of realizes that um, his self-amirment, wow, that's such a hard word to say, uh, was a noble thing to do. But she also notes that like she thinks... Alton had probably been like quote unquote insane for a while who should have been a mirrored, but he didn't. Um, And that is kind of what made him powerful. And she just is like, I have to keep going. I have to move forward. Um, Then she runs into Shagan. He, she and Shagan hate each other so much. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that, honestly, because it's, it seems forced. Yeah, and there just doesn't seem to be a reason it's where like, it's like... Exactly. It's like, why are they at odds even? there? Well, there's no reason for it. And she's like, you should have been there at Chulu Creek. You're the one who left. And he was like, I had orders. Like, Alton kind of told me to leave. You don't know mm-hmm. everything. Just because we had a fight doesn't mean that I wasn't following right. orders later. 
Um, and she finds out that they had flooded a river in the river Delta um, to kind of commit more issues with the Federation supply mm-hmm. route to the South. And she's like, Oh, that's something like I had suggested once upon a time. And they did that. And she kind of like judges them for it really quickly where she's yeah. like, you guys didn't try to evacuate the countryside. And Kara's like, did you like you erupted like, a volcano, you like killed tons of civilians. You're going to, you shouldn't be, be thrown, mad at us. You shouldn't be throwing rocks on that glass platform in the sand you built. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and she kind of realizes that she's being a hypocrite and she's like, what have I done? And Kara's like, we want a war. You did what you had to do. And, like, there's a lot of back and forth on that where, like, people are feeling guilty at different times. It's very complicated. Sure. Um, and Kara's kind of like, you have to believe in what is necessary. You have to move forward from this because, like, they would have done the same thing to us at a heartbeat. Um, and so, yeah. And they kind of talk about her plans with the Empress. Nothing is over. Um, the psych tried to recognize the passing of Alton. Um, and, like, this is kind of the first one to die with such grace, you know, mostly they're immured in Chulu Creek. Mm-hmm. So they kind of say goodbye. Shagan is very upset. He hates Rin so much. Um, and she kind of tells him about the Empress. It's a lot of like people finding out about the Empress and being sure. like, okay, now it's time to move forward and do that because we're about to head into book two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's kind of like, your hexagrams are useless. You're useless. And he's like, they're not useless. And she's like, they only tell you what's going to happen in retrospect. Like Alton was the one who died. How did you not know? And he's like, Alton always had death around him. Like you could have never known. I was going to say, it it's gonna like, how would you death. know it was going to be him and not any kind of other situation yep and then uh, the one who they love was probably the empress they do note that um and then shagan reveals that she is now the commander of the Sikh because alton named her that i i don't know why because she's not like the other yeah. girls um i think that is just a convenient thing. right and then she was like, well, this hadn't happened to her. She accepted it. She was no victim of the destiny. She was the last Spearly, and she was about to do terrible things. Thus ending book one. What were your thoughts on the book overall? I loved it. I really like this book. <laughs> like some of it is a mess. I'm not going to sure, like, detract sure. from criticisms of this book. No, no, I no, definitely it. not. Uh, uh, yeah, I thought it was a great book. I agree. I thought it was a very, very great book. Um, I really enjoy a lot of the themes on this. Like, I really think it's so interesting that we have, um, like, so much ritual into it and Mm -hmm. that you have all these agnostic people who are like, well, we kind of have to believe in gods because we talk to them and they work through us. Sure. But there is something to be said about, like, I appreciate this type of god in a book um, where they're definitely, like... (laughs) It's that thing of people believe gods are sitting there being like, we're working in your best interest when it's like, well, it's this deity. It's like, oh no, we're working in our own best interest. We just want to have fun and your pawns and you're in the way. That's, I have like a very specific like thought process where once I heard like, what if the world is just like a cell on a much larger organism and we're just like, Mm. it's cold. Like we're just a cold that'll be around Mm -hmm. until it gets rid of the cold. And something about that is weirdly like, calming to me even though that's like an anxious thought where it's like what if what happens in this world doesn't matter because the galaxy is just like the vein on which some other being Mm -hmm. exists but there is something to be said about like 
Yeah. If it is just some silly little thing, like our existence is just, it isn't all encompassing in itself. Sure. And if there are gods, like they're above us. So they're probably not going to care that much about the day-to-day lives of like Mm -hmm. someone brushing their teeth if they're here for millennia. So like, I do enjoy that aspect of it where the Phoenix is like, you humans are so stupid. We don't exist for you. You guys Mm -hmm. asked of us, us, and if we feel like it, we answer. And it's like, that's very interesting. (laughs) Right. For sure. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think the whole concept of the gods and the shamanism is really interesting and general in the way that it's portrayed in this. I agree. Kind of that losing yourself or accepting them into yourself is fascinating right and i i really like the struggles of like you know the whole are you shagan or are you alton because i think the world is full of people who are reactive and people who aren't willing to like point out that anger and hatred can fester in you in a way Mm -hmm. that like you could be any of these people and i also think like a huge theme that kwong gets into is very much just like what does it mean to be human if you're on the side that wants to oppress the other side or murder the other side or anything? Cause like, if this is built on historical, like this is built on historical like retellings. So it is showing that like in these civil wars that happen in like all of these issues on both sides, there were humans, but like they had to believe they weren't enabled to like Mm -hmm. go forward. And I do wonder in books to come, I haven't read anything past book one, how mm-hmm. we'll see that shift of like what happens right. when everything is on the other side. And like, you're now dealing with the repercussions of everything you've done in this war. And like, mm-hmm. you may not see that side as human anymore. Or like a lot of time, you know, the right. uh, spoils of war is told by the victors kind of thing. So like mm-hmm. people believe whoever won is on the right side of the war. Right. And there's so much more context to that and so many more interesting things that happen after that. So. Oh, for sure. I don't know. I feel like these themes are just so deep. Um, (laughs) How did you feel about the way that like anger in general was portrayed in the book? I mean, it's, I guess. Suppressing it and then being able to just like let it simmer and live off of that anger basically you mean i'm all i've always been angry. i'm always angry i'm always angry that's the that's the secret um i but i feel like for a lot of the book rin is trying to you know suppress her emotions mm-hmm. and suppress her anger because she's told that it's something to be afraid of and i think that in itself is interesting how she's not really she's told to be afraid of her emotions mm-hmm. well that's something like i think it's a huge theme of like almost womanhood where women are told to Mm -hmm. be polite. Women are told that they shouldn't be angry or upset or, Mm -hmm. you know, and like, that's even more true when it's not white women, you know, like there is a certain tone policing where it's like, well, you have to act a certain way to be taken seriously because if you're angry all the time, then like the oppressor Mm -hmm. has a right to put you in your place, which is why we have so many difficult thoughts about Neja because right he is a person in power who's like, but you were mean to me. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, but you're just saying like, you were a dick and you expected her to just sit there and take it. Like, right. There is something to be said about when people talk about like bullies or something. Like I even have a niece who like 
one day, one of her like preschool teachers was like, she keeps hitting someone. And my sister was finally like, we don't struggle with hitting what's going on. And it's like, oh, there's a little boy in the class who bothers the girls and he won't listen to her when she says no. And my sister was like, then she gets to hit him. I don't know what to do. She's three. <laughs> right, right. She told him to leave her alone. She used her words. She told you guys. And He's then she listening. gets to hit him. Like, I don't, I'm not going to tell her to stop. And I think that there is a certain thing of like, if you're a person in power, you should sit down and like take what that person in power is doing and like mm-hmm. be nice and polite about it. Because once you're inside the structure, you can change it. Right. But like that hasn't worked. So mm-hmm. I do think like saying anger has, you have a right to be angry and you have a right to do that. But like, it's also like, you have to be careful with that because Alton is someone who let it fester to the point where he attacked right. someone and he almost killed them. And so it's like, when does anger become too much? And like, when do you have, when is it hurting you more than it's hurting others? And I think that Mm -hmm. that will probably be a theme in future books of like, when does the anger stop being productive? Because they say like, she is able to fight and she is able to control the fire in a way Alton is not able to, because she is someone who lets herself be angry and lets herself vent and lets herself be Mm -hmm. in a healthier place when she makes choices. And the worst parts of Rin are when she's the most reactive and right. not letting off a little bit of steam here and there. But she's like, no, I'm fully on board with whatever someone just said. And I'm going to go there because I think it's right in my head. And that's just kind of how it's going to be. But what, is, what are your thoughts? I mean, I think what I like about Kwong's writing is that she picks something. She picks multiple things, but she gives you the same thing from different perspectives. So you have... Rin, who is struggling with how to deal with her anger and her emotions. And then you have Alton, who has just accepted it and is living with that anger. So I I think just the different points of view that we get, or not different points of view, but different sides of how to handle situations is fascinating. And I mean, we talked earlier about Shagan and Alton being different perspectives in a situation and then you also have Jiang and Alton you have Rin and Alton there's a lot of comparisons to Alton but mm-hmm. <laughs> he's kind of the star of this book but yeah <laughs> we'll talk about it in the characters but Alton does shine through in a very unique way that I think both Lore and I glommed onto him in probably an unexpected way because I don't think you and I are usually like hey the angry man in the corner <laughs> like, but there's something about him that's just there's very unique about Alton uh, <laughs> but no, I think you're right. I think that Alton is the shining star of this Mm -hmm. and him compared with other people. And I think that there is certain, I I agree. I really like Kwan's writing because it's almost like she understands that you're supposed to almost glorify the Zhang or the Shagun, Mm -hmm. but there are also elements to them that it's like, no, these figures are also problematic in their own right. Like Zhang has the power to intervene and he's not going to be affected as much, but like he is gaining back his own memories of what happened and he can't live with what he's done. And so he's like, I'm going to remove myself from the situation. I can see into the future and it's not worth it. But like, he's not even willing to try to see things Mm -hmm. from anyone else's perspective. He's always right. And he doesn't understand his own limits or the limits of like other people who were involved with him, like the Empress. Yeah, I think just Kwong's writing, the way that she's able to give us those characters that can look at a situation and see it so many different ways is amazing. Yeah. Just well done. 
I, yeah, I just really enjoyed this book. <laughs> I, I think it's, so I was listening to a podcast. I can't remember the name now. I feel bad. Um, but they interviewed Kwong and I just wanted to mention because we had talked before in the first part of the plot about how Rin had to decide what to do after she got her period mm-hmm. and had literally no education. And Kwong had mentioned something, I'm not quoting this exactly, but it was something along the lines of how she thinks people have been misinterpreting what she had written. And her goal was more to say that Rin shouldn't have even had to be making a decision like that, that it was something that she should have had more accessibility to medical care and education to know what was happening to her body and to not have to make a decision so permanent at such a young age that she should have had more resources. So I really like that. I like that take because I think that there is a certain amount of like Rin does not understand what's happening to her at this time. And she kind of comes at it with this, like, I didn't know what a period was. All I know is it's holding me back from surviving. And she does think Mm -hmm. staying in Sinegard is survival at this point. She cannot lose traction. She must be there at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And so recognizing that like her her period was pretty horrible the first time. Like she lost Mm -hmm. days of stuff and that happens to women. One of my favorite TikTok trends is the ones where men have to try on those period pressure points and like feel what a woman's period feels like handle it. And they literally can't handle it. Like they're just sitting there like, Oh my God. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. You know? And it's just like, women are expected to walk around and work while they're feeling that pain. And they're not allowed to express like, I'm having huge cramps. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) I need to sit with some, a hot press on my body Mm -hmm. for at least two hours when I get home to even make myself functional the next day. And so like, it sounds like Ren was going through that, which also can happen in your first couple of periods where it's much Mm -hmm. more painful. And no one was able to talk to her through that, where it's like, she was like, oh, this happens every month and I may get kicked out at the end of this. I have to get rid of it. And I I think that that's right. That Kwong is like really understanding of that, but I I can also see how people misinterpret it where it's like, well, Rin doesn't regret her decision. And it's like, well, maybe Rin doesn't recognize like all that encompasses. She's still 16. Exactly. (laughs) And I think that's what... She Kwong was kind of saying that people think that this is just some like righteous feminist take. And she's like, that's not necessarily what I was going for. I was going for more of a Rin doesn't have the accessibility to healthcare and education that she should have had. I think it's so interesting that like people kind of almost put feelings on Kwong when Kwong is like yeah. her entire book is kind of about how neither about side nuance. is right. Like it's about nuance. So it's one of those things that of like both things can be true. Right. So like, mm-hmm. yes, she could have had this procedure and not regretted it at the ripe old age of 16. And she should have had been able to have like more knowledge. So she could have mm-hmm. made that with both eyes open. And, and it's I, also a thing too, where it's like, okay, I get that take, but then at the same time, I'm like, you know, people can also be badasses that have periods. I oh, yeah. <laughs> like oh. that people who have periods are badass like the way that you can do things in immense amounts of pain like like everyone who has a period is badass like even if you they suck they suck and like the healthcare around them sucks like look at how an iud is implanted and it's literally like pinched on your cervix and like 
that's not okay. And mm-hmm. guess what? A lot of women don't know that that's what happens to them, right. which is the nuanced discussion she was talking about. Because like a right. lot of women are taught IUDs are one of the most effective things mm-hmm. and you get them implanted and they're good for five years. Why wouldn't you pick this? And it's like, well, maybe something being like cut into your body right. is not exactly the best decision for someone. And you're not telling right. them all the knowledge because you don't want to quote unquote, like make them nervous, but it's still a very sensitive, like part mm-hmm. of their healthcare that they should be allowed to know everything about. Exactly. So that's, you know, it, it's interesting. I think people sometimes are so excited that something's getting talked about. Where it's and like, I oh get that too. Yeah. But sometimes it's like both things can be true. There's mm-hmm. so much room for yeah. nuance. And this is a very nuanced book. Like I think I could read this book again in five years and get something totally different from all the characters. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And like, I'm very interested to see Laura has already read the second book. I have mm-hmm. not. Um, I'm excited I'm to talk start to my you. reread soon. So. Yeah. I'm excited to talk about the characters with you next week. Yeah. But I really think like, I don't know, you and I've talked through the major themes that I think we should touch on in this episode mm-hmm. after the ending. Do, is there anything else you want to like ask or discuss as we close out the discussion? I can't think of anything at the moment because more of my discussions, I feel like, are centered around characters. Right. Well, and we spent so much time talking about the stuff. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, what else the is there to say about things. the duff? The nuanced take of the designated ugly oh fat French. Horrible. Uh, <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but I think this, I, I can't wait to talk to you about the characters. You yeah. And I really like the nuance of this book. Um, as I like removed myself, as I read like Pasit's like criticisms of this, I do mm-hmm. think that there are criticisms of this book. It still gets a five stars for me. Like, sure. <laughs> uh, Rin is a very specific character who just jumps around. But I also think that that's the point. I think Kwong made a very realistic 16 year old thrown mm-hmm. into a very horrifying situation. And sometimes that's just, you're going to see 16 year olds mess up, you know? Yeah. So I really liked this. Laura, thank you for reading this book with me. Yeah. Um, Good choice. Good choice. Everyone should join us next week as we do a deep dive into each of the characters of this book. Uh, And let us know your reactions. Send them to ourpod at gmail.com. Send us some questions. Let us know who your favorite characters are. Yeah. Let us know. Are you team Alton? Like Laura? I mean, I don't know if we're team Alton. We don't believe like he's the best character in the world, but I think we felt the most for him. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, let us know our pod at Gmail, our pod on Instagram and Twitter. We can be reached at all those social platforms. God, I hate you so much for saying that. <laughs> I know you didn't mean it, but I'm still offended. We'll have Team Neja <laughs> and Team Alton shirts. All of a sudden, you're going to like, I'm going to send you a Team Neja shirt. And it's just like, Laura, you would get so many people. Like if people had read the book, they're going to be like, mm, red flag. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a red shirt. So it's Team Neja. <laughs> I like to wear my red, sh- I like to wear my red flags right on my chest. Yes. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so on the back, it says wheel of time was better. Oh, no, <laughs> no, I would never wear that shirt. I would never wear that one. But yeah, reach out. Let us know your questions. We're really excited to close out the first book next week. So follow along. Bye. Bye. Bye.